Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? We have Nick Gray back on the show, and as usual, it is the two of us talking through what has been going on over the last couple of weeks. In my case, something fairly significant happened right before the show, and for Nick, something fairly significant was happening for the last couple of weeks. Of course, it's Nick and me again on the show, as it usually is, so thank you again to Nick from Fandroid, editor-in-chief of Fandroid, for being on the show, as we talk about the OnePlus 10 Pro. That is our main story for this episode and we talked through a number of the different aspects of the phone especially its Hasselblad branding and um, the fact that Oxygen OS is not quite the breath of fresh air that we remember it being in previous devices. In any case we're talking OnePlus 10 Pro in this episode so come and join us for this chat. Enjoy. It's gonna be a little cheesy but trust me there's there, there are reasons for this and we're gonna get into the big reason in a bit but Nick it's great to see you. I love you, man. <laughs> like, um, I love you too, sir. Um, let me let me start with my personal story real quick because it'll dovetail into what Nick has been through recently. Um, I almost got into a car accident right before I got into the the uh, the office for this show. Well, not for this show, but in the office, and then we we're doing the show. Um, PSA for everyone that's out there listening. Um, I will not say that it was my phone that almost caused it like me looking at my phone because I wasn't looking at my phone as it happened but I will say that phone use was occurring during the drive which then probably made me a little absent-minded and when I looked and when I realized what I had done I ran a red light on accident when I realized what I had done I was like oh like I wasn't I clearly wasn't paying enough attention like my awareness was lower than usual and I and I pride myself on being a good driver but it only takes one. It only takes one situation and you screwed up royally. Now, I'm very lucky that as I was crossing the red light, I think it had just went red. So it wasn't like people were coming down the other intersection like already. Um, there was someone probably about to accelerate and then they stopped and I heard the honk and I looked up and realized what I had done. Um, but yeah, a um, little bit of a quite a bit of a harrowing experience. Um, so. I'm, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the gratitude mode right now and I'm just happy that nothing bad happens um, even on a simplistic level like it's not like I got pulled over there are no red light cameras anywhere but really the main thing is I did not get to a crash well we're we're glad you're still alive and with us here I've actually a couple weeks ago I ran through a red light by accident as well I was taking my daughter to a doctor's appointment and just completely spaced out going through an intersection that I go through, you know, 20 times a week and just went straight on through. And fortunately, like in your case, there was nobody coming through the intersection. And honestly, mine was, it was probably like five seconds red. There was no cars in front of me. I just kept going. And exactly. Uh, it, and it, like, was, it was a long stretch of road. And it was like, obviously, if there was a car in front of me that had stopped, mm -hmm. I would have known. But this mm -hmm. was one of those things where you're because because the area around my office and this happened like literally streets away from my office, it's like a residential area. So there are there are there are red lights, but they're not frequented. They're not super high areas of traffic. So you kind of get into this mode just like you would in any suburban neighborhood uh, or suburban neighborhood, I should say, that you just kind of go. And if you if your brain doesn't register that there's a light up there, <laughs> like something could happen. And then, yeah. So moral of the story is pay attention to those lights. They're important. They'll keep you alive. <laughs> I, I think this is only the second time in my entire life that I've ever not seen mm -hmm. the red light, like absentmindedly. The first time was back that when I was you in. you know of. 
True. Um, <laughs> that you know. Who of. knows? Maybe I could just be barreling down roads without realizing <laughs> every day, and you don't Horrible. even know it. For the record, that's not the case. Uh, but I remember the first time it happened, I actually did get into a crash. I I, I rear-ended somebody. This was when I was in high school, um, like just a year or two after getting my license. So it was that one was because I was looking at a phone, but that was because I was looking at what was the the earliest iterations of a map on my phone because I was trying to get to a friend's place. And when I'm then when I looked up to check the street signs, I, it was already too late. Slammed on the brakes, still rear-ended whoever was in front of me. Um, so that this is only the second time that I know of that this has ever happened. But that's just like my tiny little story. So, you know, gratitude to everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show in general. Like, I'm just happy right now. Like, I'm just happy to be alive, happy to not be heard, and that nothing bad happened. And on that particular note... Nick, what have you been up to <laughs> the last couple of weeks? Uh, Speaking of love, thank well, God you're alive. <laughs> I, I I am alive, yeah. Well, I was on vacation for a week. I was down in Mexico for spring break for my girls. They they middle school and elementary school, they both had spring breaks that lined up. So we decided to take a week and get away from the cold of Ohio. Uh, the day we left, it was snowing on our way to the airport. And when we landed in Cancun, it was 86 degrees and beautiful. So uh, a good change of pace for us. Uh, but then while I was in Mexico, I contracted COVID. Um, didn't know it until the day after we got back. And so spent a week essentially in quarantine in my office. Uh, my wife was like, no, you're banished from the bedroom. You go up to your office and stay up there in the attic, uh, in the tower until you're better. Um, so yeah, it was, wasn't too bad. You know, my worst symptom was, I had a slight fever for two or three days, but my worst symptom was a really bad sore throat, uh, which turned into a light cough for a day or two, but nothing too serious. Um, but yeah, quarantined, watched a whole lot of, TV shows. I had no clue what to watch because after you watch TV shows for four hours in a day, your mind just turns to mush, as I'm <laughs> sure you can attest to when when you were sick. Yeah, um, it was literally just Isa and I in the hotel room, sleeping on opposite sides of the room, being as cautious as possible. And somehow, I mean, we even slept with masks on separately in rooms and whatnot, to which like even Jaime, when we were talking to him about it was like, you know, at this point, if she's not going to get it, she's not going to get it. So, like, just just be together, you know? Like, why would you sleep on opposite sides of the room? But, like, you know, Issa's very cautious about this stuff. And to to that point, she never got it, even though she was in close proximity mm -hmm. to me, thank goodness. But, yeah, that whole week, we just watched New Girl on the Samsung Freestyle, which, unfortunately, I had to return. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you, just to kind of at the outset, like, you have what was it like almost two weeks stuck inside the 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 attic slash office or whatever the case may be um uh, it was about a week about a week okay so one, what... one week so yeah i tested positive a week ago friday well at this point it's like 10 days 11 12 days ago i don't know what day of the week is it it's wednesday right it felt longer to be uh, honest because you yeah. and i were we, we were updating each <clears throat> other a little bit along the way it felt like two weeks until you finally got out of well, I mean, I was gone the week before anyways, like we didn't talk because I was on vacation. So, I mean, um, so yeah, we were kind of out of, out of the loop for about two weeks because of that vacation. But yeah, it was, it was just about a week, uh, that I was sick, um, took a couple tests at the end of it too. And 
was still testing positive, uh, though it was fading every time on the little stick was getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And after my third positive test afterwards, I was like, okay, at this point, I'm not contagious anymore. The family was okay with me roaming about the house and my wife was okay with me coming back into my real bed. Uh, which was kind of nice because going on vacation for a week and you have a weird bed that's not your own comfortable bed. And then me sleeping on the floor on an air mattress in the office here was not that comfortable. Mm. Uh, So going back to my real bed uh, was really, really nice after that. I actually got some good sleep. So being tech um, content creators or reporter in your case, I I don't know what what terminology works best for us, but like the because we are so inundated with the level of tech that we have, like what, what were your go-to pieces of tech to use during that quarantine? Cause we had two years or almost two years of mm-hmm. like work from home and whatnot, but work from home is different from straight up quarantine. So I feel like the level of tech that we use in work from home kind of ramps up a little bit when it's all we have. Yeah. For, for me, it was, you know, just my phone for, email and messaging and stuff like that i would actually message people in the house uh to say make me breakfast or make me lunch i want this for lunch i was i was placing orders with my daughter which was kind of nice uh she's 13 years old but she's at the age where she still likes to be helpful when she can uh so that was nice i would send her a, a message on telegram saying hey i want you know oatmeal for breakfast um and she'd make it and bring it up and knock on the door and leave it at the bottom of the stairs uh but as far as other things like i use my phone uh i used google assistant a lot um i have a smart display in my office just random things also using the broadcast feature uh to communicate with other people in the house as well that's good and uh but then my monitor uh because i have my desk uh with you know a 36 inch ultra wide monitor and I use that to watch TV shows because I have an adjustable monitor arm. I was able to move the monitor and point, tilt it down so that it was closer to me and pointing at my bed on the floor at a good angle. Uh, so I was you know, laying in on my little air mattress with this ultra wide monitor kind of looming over my head. <laughs> I was like, if this thing falls, it could kill me. But... <laughs> Yeah, there, I did there are already other watched... dangers that are around you at that point. So. Uh, you know, there's there's a risk I could die from COVID, but a monitor <laughs> could kill me too. You know, just added adding to the you know the issues of what about to keep me alive. Um, what about like tracking symptoms and whatnot? Because one of the things that I because I, I did do a video on the Aura Ring and how I track my fever in particular um, because it has uh, temperature sensors and also respiratory HRV, all of that. So it was, it was clearly able to see that I was in distress. So that was very much clear. But the other thing that I kept using was in my case, the Apple watch, because, um, I was trying to track, and I forgot to tell you this when you were in the middle of it all, but clearly it it, it was okay. Um, tracking blood oxygen levels. And that was a Mm -hmm. huge thing in my Apple watch Mm -hmm. that I kept checking basically every chance I thought about it. So basically like every 10 minutes, because I was that freaked out that my, um, (laughs) O2 was going to go down um, at some point, like out of nowhere. Cause like my, I had the same symptoms. It was the super sore throat, coughing a lot. And my main worry was that I was coughing so much and so hard that like a lung would collapse or something. So that was what I was worried about. Yeah. So for me, like I had the sore throat, but like, I just had a light cough. Like it was just like a dry, um, um, you know, every 
you know, once or twice an hour is just like a clearing my throat cough, but there was nothing really there. Uh, so I didn't have the cough as bad as you did. Uh, but I did use, um, I'm wearing my Withings watch. Scan watch. Uh, Withings yeah. smart watch, the scan watch. And it is, I, I use that. It does have the, um, the blood oxygen level monitoring. And I, I actively didn't look at it. So it wasn't something that I was worried about because honestly, I, I didn't feel that bad. Uh, but I did go back uh, when you mentioned uh, the blood oxygen level. I went back in the app and I was like, oh, just curious to see what it was. And it, it never dropped. I was at like 90, between 98 and 99%, which is my usual levels uh, for blood oxygen level. Um, but yeah, it did track my sleep, uh, mm. which because usually I have this weird thing. I sleep on my stomach. Uh, so I roll over and sleep on my stomach. And when I do that, um, I put my arms uh, on my chest, like kind of like I'm dead, but just rolled but, over. But face down, yeah. <laughs> but face down. Uh, sometimes I put one one arm on to to help my lower back because if you sleep on your stomach, the everybody will tell you it's really bad for your back. So I actually put one arm on my stomach to help the support of my lower back so that I don't have lower back issues. Uh, but usually when I'm on my regular bed and I'm wearing my watch, my regular bed is harder than the air mattress was. And so it's really uncomfortable when I wear my watch to bed. So I don't usually wear it to sleep. When I was on the air mattress, the air mattress is software. And so I could actually sleep that way without feeling the watch, you know, pressing against my body. And uh, which was nice because then I was able to track my sleep. And it showed me like the first two, two nights that I had COVID, I slept for like 10 hours straight, which never happens. I usually get about eight hours of sleep. My body wakes up automatically at seven o'clock in the morning. That's when I, you know, just wake up and go for the day. Uh, but I slept too till like 10 o'clock in the morning one day. And my wife sent me messages she's like, are you alive up there? What's going on? <laughs> uh, but ha having the watch to help track my, my sleep there was, was kind of nice to see. Because it'll tell you when you wake up throughout the night or if you have restless sleep. And I actually slept incredibly well. Like it was in a deep sleep for most of the night, which means my body was, you know, kind of in that recovery mode, yeah. uh, trying to recuperate all its energy, uh, which was good. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things I, I wasn't expecting to use. But because I was able to keep my watch on because of the random fact that I was sleeping on an air mattress helped me out a lot. Okay, good. Um, well, again, really glad that everything is uh, getting better for the most part. Um, hopefully you don't have any lingering symptoms or anything like that, and we're glad to have you back on the show. Um, all right, so uh, that was a bit of our check-in to start off, uh, but we're going to get into a couple of main stories coming up, mainly about one particular smartphone uh, that was released in our tiny little hiatus from the last couple of weeks, but we're going to get into that right after the break. You literally just said that Polar put out new smartwatches? The, I mean, you were just talking about the Wything Scan Watch, and I, I adore mm -hmm. this thing. It's probably the best-looking smartwatch I've ever had on, uh, aside from probably a Scoggin Hybrid. Again, hybrids, my favorite-looking smartwatches overall. But Polar, yes. Polar, they they go in, man. Usually they're mm -hmm. like $5.99 or something like that for, for a full-on smartwatch with all of like the the marathon runner features <laughs> and whatnot. Well, these ones are a little bit different. They just announced the Polar Pacer Pro and okay. it is $199 or $299 respectively for the different models that they offered. 
so a little bit cheaper than what they typically are. Um, eh. mm, okay. Well, we'll see what happens with those. Um, so our main story for today will be about the OnePlus 10 Pro, probably just some conversations around it. Um, real quick story. I, I kind of took last week off. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I just, I, it was one of those weeks where like you try to do some work and then you realize you're burned out and then all the work starts to go by the wayside. So I just decided, you know, we're going to chill. So I still have content coming out on the one, on, on the OnePlus 10 Pro. Uh, but to call to all of our users uh, or users, all of our listeners attention, any of you who might, might, might be familiar with this phone and with the last phone, even let's talk about this Hasselblad logo on the back um it's also on the uh oppo find x5 pro and for obvious reasons i mean they're 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 not just in cahoots anymore they are the same company basically um the i took this phone to a um a film photography enthusiast event um semi like one of the coordinators and hosts of the event was actually our good friend david amell and he's a huge film buff um, he has insanely expensive film cameras that he carries around all the time. And I always worry that like it's going to drop or someone's going to steal it I'm constantly being the big brother for him when it comes to that stuff. And he just like leaves it everywhere. He just, he's just way too trusting. Um, but the thing is like, you know, when you go to a film photography event, you have all these people who have so many different cameras from so many different eras and companies and whatnot. I saw like maybe two or three original Hasselblads, which was pretty cool. So I started asking them, how do you feel about this logo that's on this phone? Like, what did, what does it make you feel that this camera that you adore and you use as an enthusiast, as a hobby, as a real, like, some a fanatic for this kind of stuff, how's, how's it feel to see where that company has gone? And they were like, honestly, they don't really think about it. <laughs> they don't really think about it because... What of the film world could possibly be actually put into a smartphone? And what of that experience could actually translate properly? And the only answer I could have for that was this this X-Pan mode that you see on both of these phones. Have you have you played around with this? <sighs> yeah, but <laughs> yes, I have. So cuz see here's the thing. I you're about to say what I originally said when I was using X-Pan and then I asked these film photography enthusiast to explain it to me so your 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 first reaction to xpan xpan hey i can just crop that on my own <laughs> because that's so, all it is it's a digital crop like like that's honestly all it is but you go ahead you let me know so what you think that is and let me know what these hostile blood fans think that's a billion percent what i thought at first i was like it's just a super wide angle photo and cropped and it makes sense to me that that is what was put in here because there's a hundred and was it seventy degree lens in here in the in the ultra wide angle that you can use for 150. like fifty fifty or okay one hundred fifty so oh you're right one fifty so one fifty one hundred fifty degrees one eighty that'd be impressive that would be pretty dope <laughs> that's, um, that's like half a circle man a hundred and fifty degrees and there's even the mode that says a hundred and fifty degree mode where you can get like the super distorted look. It's almost like an action cam, but it's through that that they go ahead and crop out what is essentially a super wide, uh, like a widescreen. I don't remember what the actual aspect ratio is, but something very acute. And that is actually what the, the X-Pan cameras by Hasselblad, and there were a few at the event, they, 
that is the field of view that that camera has. And it was completely unique at the time that it came out because it gave like this really unique look compared to the four by threes that all of these cameras, these uh, film cameras were putting out because obviously 35 millimeter film has a certain aspect ratio to it. Is it three by two or four by three? I forget. But this is, this was radically different to that. So Hasselblad was trying to put in a mode on these phones that emulates not only that aspect ratio, but as you look at the interface, that's what you would see when you look through the camera viewfinder. Like those, that's the actual thing. Um, yeah, but so it's not it's a even, one-to-one recreation of that. But they use the main sensor on this device for the X-Pan mode. It doesn't. Uh, use is it the, the main sensor? Wide. It is the main sensor. So it's not even ultra wide photo. It's just the main sensor that's been cropped to. It seemed that wider. Aspect ratio. It seemed wider than I than I. I I just did it right now. Open up. Open up the X-Pan mode and put your finger over the main sensor on the back of the phone. Oh yeah, your usual test. I always forget to do this. <laughs> just put your finger over the You're lens right. and You're you'll right. figure out which one it is. Yeah. It did and seem wider. It, I think the I think the aspect ratio made me think it's, it was it's the, the aspect ratio that makes it feel like it is wider. So it's a regular photo look. Remember, I forget what the cameras were when the early two thousands where you the advanced photo system cameras with the the film that you could take ultra wide photos and square photos. Um, I forget what it was. Yeah, I don't remember um, either. I, I had one of the cameras, but you you could actually take ultra wide photos with this film photo, and but it was just they would crop the top and bottom of it, and it wasn't any wider than usual. Mm. And but when you would got got your photos in film when they printed them out, you'd have these ultra wide film photos, and you're like, oh, these look really cool, and then you realize. Well, wait a minute. It's really not ultra wide. It's just cropped in on the top and the bottom. But <laughs> I like unless you were there taking the photo, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Right. Anyone else looking at it would think, oh, this is a cool aspect ratio. It must be wide. Um, you wouldn't want to use X-Pan to I mean, you probably could like if you were taking portrait shots of people and, you know, inside a room or something and they would turn out pretty good. And because there is pretty good depth of field with that main sensor, yeah, you could actually true. have some really interesting photos doing that. But then I'm just thinking I could just crop it and get the same exact effect. I, I just loved how it, it goes through all this hubbub of like showing that you're doing the exposure that you would have done on a reg on a film camera. Yeah. Get, Cause mm -hmm. it, it instantaneously takes the photo, but it still goes through the motions of showing you like the animation of it. Exposing yeah. The animation the of exposing the shot. It's yeah. so interesting. Like, and, and because aside from that, like the Hasselblad stuff, maybe there's some color to, and that there is some color tuning happening in across the cameras and whatnot. But when you're talking about like, what are the real tangible benefits of having the Hasselblad, um, logo on the back there's very little so like there's the x-pan that's there like I, I i will personally say i do enjoy the oops my phone is muted so i gotta i do enjoy i do i do honestly enjoy the sound like i actually really there you go um and i have more of an appreciation for that sound because i've actually felt it in person so one of in the real person yeah yeah like i i was it david i'm trying to remember whose camera it was but it was a pentax but it was an old school Pentax camera. And when I hit that shutter button, the way that you can feel just like the shutter, the, just like opening <laughs> and, and closing it, it on the inside. It felt so yeah. good. So like, I kind of think of that when I, when I have this, but this is the thing though, like OnePlus has been historically the company that has been able to build hype around its unique features. And the Hasselblad partnership 
in a way should have been one of those things. Even in a even in a timeline that we live in right now where OnePlus is just alongside the other um high-end smartphone manufacturers and can be considered among them rather than aside from them, rather than as mm-hmm. the quote unquote flagship killers that they used to be. Um I actually am a little bit disappointed that they don't now that I actually have experienced this this culture of film that Hasselblad helped pioneer, I'm actually disappointed in OnePlus that they forgot how to have that kind of hype for what might be their most unique features on this phone. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, you know, we we've seen a lot of partnerships like this in the past. We saw, you know, Huawei with Leica and their cameras, and we've seen, you know, Hasselblad with Motorola before when they made one of the Moto mods. And, you know, it, it's hard to pinpoint what these brand partnerships actually bring to the table besides, you know, there might be some color tuning a little bit, but, and then, you know, maybe a unique camera mode with the X-Pan that you can replicate in a thousand other different ways. You don't need a Hasselblad branding in order to do that. And then to your point of, you know, going to a camera, a film camera event and talking to people who use film cameras who know what Hasselblad is. Because if you go to 95% of regular consumers, they'll look at it and be like, I have, is Hasselblad like the guy who yeah, what is designed that? the phone? Isn't they, that they just don't know DJI what it means at all. when yeah. you think about it? <laughs> yeah. And so like, if, if you're going to an event where people recognize the name Hasselblad and know what it actually means to the film photography space, and say, I completely ignore it on this phone. If it means nothing to them in a digital smartphone camera terminology, it means less than nothing for the average consumer who doesn't understand it at all. And this is where it leaves me scratching my head thinking, someone along the way thought there's value here. The value technically wasn't delivered. I know it gives the... The colors are a little bit different in order to give a more Hasselblad look and feel, but you could have done that without a partnership, mm-hmm. right? You could have come up with a, a mechanical shutter sound without a partnership and no money changing hands and not you know, making it a selling point of what you're trying to talk to when you're talking to the media and the press saying, you know, we have this brand partnership with Hasselblad in order to do the cameras. And then when we get it, we're like, it's no different than what it was previously. And so I'm just scratching my head trying to think like, who's actually getting anything out of this besides Hasselblad, who's got probably a big fat check, right, in order to do this. Um, Besides them, who's actually getting anything out of this with the Hasselblad branding and, you know, the integration that they've done with here? Because from the consumer standpoint, I I don't think we're really getting anything out of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, One one residual um effect from me being at that at that film photography thing i mean i knew this was going to happen eventually the the more i hung out with david um you bought a camera i bought two you got two. <laughs> <laughs> so here's an old old Olymp- here's an, an olympus from the 70s and this is one of the most beloved olympus cameras um i had to stick with brands that i know um and enjoy so i went with olympus and the good thing is that um, because film photography is starting to become this huge, like, trendy thing, 
uh, mainly because celebrities like Kendall Jenner went ahead and used a contacts camera. And then all of a sudden that camera went from $200 to $3,000. I had to find cameras that were still in an affordable price range. So thank God (laughs) these are still beloved, but not insanely expensive. Um, and I'm kicking myself because if, 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 uh, David is at all listening to this, like I'm still, I've, I've told him this multiple times already. I should have bought one of those contacts cameras when I was with him in Japan back in 2019. You know, we actually, there was a, a, a lady on our street that passed away about a year and a half ago and they had an estate sale after she passed and there in the house, there was probably 10 to 12 old film cameras that were pre 1950s. Wow. That were there and they were going for 10 bucks each. And I was like, oh, this might be cool to put on a shelf. Personally, I, I could care less about film photography and, you know, like it, it's cool and everything. It's just not for me. But I'm like, dude, someone could have probably picked those up and sold them for a whole lot of money. So if you're looking for film f- cameras, my recommendation go to an estate sale someone who passed away and they're, they're trying to sell everything from inside the house. And there's probably a handful of film, film cameras in there that you can probably pick up on the cheap. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I just took how, a how long did it know. take you to frame that photo? Oh, it, it took me no time at all. And also there's, there's no autofocus on here. So there's a little uh, focus throw. It's a, this is a rangefinder camera. Um, but I wanted to make sure the shutter shutter sound kind of went through. Oh, and here's the, here's the, I think when you're using it, when you're using X-Pan, when you get done with the photo, you should hear that also right after is the winding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. Um, okay, so talking about the phone in general, um, I, I've been using it for the last couple of weeks, including, of course, when I went to that film photography thing. It's called, um, I think it's called Beers and Cameras, I think is what it's called. Um, but yeah, it was a great event. It was up in Joshua Tree, which I found out I've never been to before. I thought I did. I thought my parents took me there as an infant or as a child. Um, no, they. I came back and they were like, no, we never went. So I was disappointed because my dad, who is very good with his puns, did not think to bring Joshua to Joshua Tree. <laughs> but um, it's a great place. It's it's amazing. I've been I to Joshua it Tree. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I did take this there, and I have a bunch of shots from Joshua Tree with this. But talking in like general about this phone, I I'm still going to be I'm, obviously I'm doing my content on it, and I'm trying to conceptualize my feelings around this phone. It's been an easy phone to use every day. Like it's still it's 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 at that level now that I can reach for it and I know I'll have a good time and things will be fine. Like it is high performance has all the features that I'm looking for. Even the cameras are not all that bad, despite like the flourishes that they attempted to have that don't necessarily hit the mark. But as an, as a everyday phone, it is not bad at all. And it's actually priced pretty well compared to comparable spec devices. Mm-hmm. But I just, but that's the problem like that. And we've talked about this in various different ways before. It's just the curse of samity. That's what I keep thinking. That's the phrase that I keep having in my head is that it's the same as other phones. There's nothing really truly different about this phone anymore. And you could say that about a lot of smartphones, but there's a reason why I keep coming back to the Galaxy S22 Ultra. I don't use the S Pen a lot for writing, but it's there and I'm happy that it's there. And there's a reason why I come back to the Pixel 6 Pro. Um, I actually really dislike typing out emails on a phone and its voice recognition is top of the line. So when I think of what the OnePlus 10 Pro has to bring to the table, I can't think of anything. It's just the same. Yeah, well, that that's the curse of having a high-end device that really doesn't have any standout feature. When you look at 
the whole phone. It is a good phone. It has incredible performance. I actually think it's probably the best performant device I've used for mobile gaming this year. Uh, it doesn't get as hot as a lot of the other devices. It's running the Snapdragon 888, uh, and it performs really well. I think it throttles a lot uh, slower, um, as in time period. It, it takes a lot longer for it to throttle uh, when most other devices, you know, playing Wild Rift or Genshin Impact will throttle after about four or five minutes. This will take six or seven minutes, so you get peak performance out of it a lot longer. And if you're not pushing it to its maximum, it'll it'll keep that performance up there for a very long time. One uh, uh, one quick correction: it, eight Gen One. You said. Oh, sorry. Yes, yeah. sorry. Yes, eight Gen One. My bad. That was last year. Um, the and you know some people are complaining it doesn't have the twelve gigabytes of RAM like we typically have seen, but when you compare it to last year's OnePlus Nine Pro, that was a I believe one thousand thirty nine dollar smartphone which is like the weirdest price ever <laughs> uh and this is 140 dollars cheaper essentially so you know you do have to give up something when you make those price cuts but that also means that this came in a hundred dollars less than its main competitor which is the samsung galaxy s22 plus uh and you know if you're looking spec to spec this phone matches pretty much everything that samsung throws at it uh and comes in you know 10 percent cheaper but then again, you mentioned the Pixel 6 Pro. And, you know, the Pixel 6 Pro has had some software bugs that have been mostly fixed at this point. But that is an incredible phone for the price when you consider that camera that Google, Google gives you. I mean, if you compare the, the camera on the Pixel 6 Pro versus the camera on this device, you can slap Hasselblad another thousand times on the back of this phone. It's not going to make a difference. It just can't compete with the Pixel 6 Pro, especially when recording video, which it, honestly is surprising because Google's typically not known for really good video capture. But with the six, Pixel 6 Pro, it's done really well. Yeah. Um, and notice and I didn't even talk about... Notice I didn't even talk about the camera when I mentioned this Pixel 6 Pro. Like, I'm not not to say it's a bad camera whatsoever, not to knock it no, off. No, but like, it's you just, just take it other, for granted at this point. Yes, and there are other things about that phone that still make it so appealing aside from the camera, mm -hmm. which is a big deal. Um, the only thing I can think of with the OnePlus 10 Pro is like, <laughs> I like the, I have to, I have to admit, I, I chuckled and I actually appreciated the way that The Verge did their video. Um, I, I, I'm blanking on her name, but I want to give her her flowers. Like it was, it was, she's, she's been doing great with, um, with the reviews recently. Um, great tone and whatnot. The beginning of that video was, well, this phone, look at what it can do. And then she plugged it in and it charged really fast. And she was like, I, it's got that, I guess. And I was like, you know what? I agree with you. Like I, I do yes. come to it pretty frequently because I know that when I put it on the fast OnePlus, um, fast wireless charger, even it's a good mm -hmm. time and I'm able to rely on it because battery life has never been an issue for me on a OnePlus phone, um, recently I should say, but even if it was just charge it up real quick. Oh well, yeah. And even compared to other devices that are in that same category, it has a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, but it seems to last a little bit longer than other devices within the category. And even Samsung's device has a, I think it's a 4,800 milliamp hour battery. So it's a slightly smaller battery. Uh, but when we did our battery benchmarks between the two, and there's a good 10% difference between the OnePlus device and Samsung's device. 
in favor of OnePlus. So, you know, if if you're into gaming, that gets multiplied, you know, two, three times, threefold. Uh, you know, if you're playing games for, you know, four or five hours straight, the Samsung device is only going to last you three and a half to four hours, while this device is probably going to last you about five, uh, which makes a big difference uh, if that's something that you're into. Um, but one thing that I keep coming back to uh, with the OnePlus devices, but also every other BBK group phone, they still don't have 4K video capture from their darn selfie cameras, yes. which is the stupidest thing ever. They they made a point of pointing out that this is a brand new sensor for the selfie camera on this device. It does take really good selfies, but for some darn reason, they think 4K video capture from a selfie camera isn't something that anybody wants when I think selfie cameras are the most used cameras right now with all social media, with TikTok, with Instagram. They're used far more than any other camera on the device, especially for recording videos these days. So why not have 4K video capture on a device that costs 900 bucks? There's no reason for that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And it's uh, something that I've had to contend with. Like I say it on every camera test whenever it comes up, like this is a problem mm -hmm. um, because... Yep. I think it was on the Xiaomi 12 Pro that I finally took some time to explain why it's a big deal. Or maybe it was the Oppo Find X5 Pro. Uh, I was basically saying like, well, think of it this way. You're literally watching a piece of content that I do normally on my channel. And what resolution do I upload it at? 4K. 4K. So and I'm this not is one fourth of that resolution. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that people record 4K all the time on the front facing camera, but I am allowed to be miffed at the fact that it's not there because literally the piece of video you're watching right now has to be in 4k and it's mm -hmm. not there so like it's the, the, there are going to be people out there who are like well i never really use that but in that very moment the moment i'm talking through the front facing camera it is not happening and it has to happen in that yeah. moment <laughs> mm -hmm. um but yeah, that's... Uh, well, especially when they're pushing, hey, we have 8K video capture from the main sensor on the back. I'm like, who cares about 8K if you can't even do 4K? Like, yeah. if, if, you don't, if you don't think people are willing to, are going to complain about 4K video capture, why the heck are you putting 8K video on a device when you can't even give us consistency across all the lenses? I will a billion percent say um, I never use 8K nearly as much as i use 4k for front that's just it, that that yeah that scale is just so skewed. well uh, like everybody can use 4k video what do less than one percent of people can use 8k video no one yeah. has an 8k tv yet like there's 8k tv still cost i don't know four thousand dollars or more not that many people have them even then streaming um, like streaming services have to be at 1080p most of the time because that the data caps and the speed that's needed for 4k even like a lot of people don't even mm -hmm. have that so it's 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 interesting like you know even the phone yeah. display itself is not an 8k capable display so what's the point of mm -hmm. recording 8k and you view it back on a phone where it's downscaling <laughs> um right so um last couple of thoughts on the phone um do want to talk about the software um at some point oh you had a thought uh, I'm going to say, I think this is the prettiest OnePlus phone I've used in years. I think probably going back to the OnePlus 6, um, they, they kind of took the Samsung design of having that metal frame that melds into the camera module on the back. Mm -hmm. uh, but then instead of having it tall, like Samsung does on the Galaxy S22 and the 
plus they made it a double wide um and i i just think it's it's beautiful i i think this is probably one of the best looking devices we've seen in 2022 and the soft touch finish on the back is superb like i haven't caressed a phone like this in a long time <laughs> it's not bad but i will admit to using the sandstone case just because a grip and texture um were a little bit more important for me um speaking of texture oxygen os uh mm -hmm. i'm still trying to wrap my head around this that it's funny how perception changes uh, when you just know certain details. And now that we know that Oppo has pretty much their, not just their fingers in the pie, they put their whole damn arm into, into OnePlus at this point. Um, it still feels like Oxygen OS, but it also kind of doesn't. Like there's something it, weird about it now. It tries to look like Oxygen OS. Yeah. But it, from its functionality, it's color OS. It's color OS with an oxygen OS skin on top. It, it, and it, and that's, uh, that's the issue. And it, yeah. not to say that color, color OS is bad because color OS is what Oppo uses on all of their devices. And actually for a Chinese manufacturer, I think their, their custom UI on top of Android is one of the best that's out there. I think it's better Agreed. than what Xiaomi has been putting out for the last couple of years, better than a lot of other brands. Uh, it is very functional. I think it's better than Samsung software as well. I think Samsung's uh, One UI um, had some good ideas at the get-go when they tried to step away from what they were doing in the past and reset the tables, but um, they're, they've kind of moved back into their bloat of what they had before. And I'm, I, I'm I think ColorOS is... A... I'm, I'm, right, I'm right there with you up until the S Pen becomes a thing, personally. Um like well I, but like you don't need to do samsung's gone over the top and what they do you don't need to do that in order to have good s pen integration and support oh sure sure right like like the s pen integration and support can be completely invisible until you pull the pen out you do something with it you don't need all the other stuff yeah, but as, as far as the the user interface goes i think it's good it's just not what oneplus fans have been brought up on they they were used to this near stock Android experience with a handful of other customization options thrown up on top of it with a very light skin. And that's not what we're getting anymore. We're getting color OS with a OnePlus skin on top. Um, and it's not, not good. It's just not what we were used to in the past. Yeah, I feel this weird, I'm using the term in a, You'll know what I mean when I say it, even though I'm not using the term in the right sense. It's this weird uncanny valley that I'm that I keep experiencing mm -hmm. with this, where it's like, no, I get that. Yeah, this is a OnePlus phone, and then you start using the the interface, and everything's working fine, and you're going through the interface, and it's smooth, and it looks fine, and all that. But there's just but something something's off. just <laughs> off, just <laughs> slightly. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And again, not to say that it's bad. It's just not what we've been used to from OnePlus devices. It's a little bit heavier of a skin than uh, what we would typically expect from a OnePlus smartphone. Um, you know, I think at this point, there is no real representation of what stock Android is on an Android device anymore. Like True. there's no AOSP. Google doesn't do that. They have their own Google skin, their flavor to it. Um, and I think Motorola right now is the one that stepped into that void of saying, 
we're taking the basics of Android, just sprinkling some things on top and letting it be. And, uh, you know, if you use the new Moto Edge, um, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you compare it to what, you know, OnePlus has done, it doesn't feel like that minimalistic version of Android anymore as it was in the past with, you know, a couple extra customization options. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that pretty much rounds out everything on there. Any final thoughts you want to give on the phone? Uh, I, I, I know it's, it's on its way out. Like it's going to, it's going to be available very, very soon, um, like in stores and whatnot. And I think ultimately we we will all expect that this will be a good selling phone. Um, at some point we will have to discuss the reasoning behind not having a non-pro version. I know that there's some speculation around that, uh, at the moment, but this is a phone that after years and years of trying and trying and trying, OnePlus finally got their own little kiosks inside of like Verizon's and T-Mobile's and stuff like that. And because of that, partially because of that, they were able to sell a lot. And I expect that to still be mm-hmm. the case with this phone as well. And to say to say our our gripes with the phone are very rooted in history that we have experienced with the company i think a lot of casual users can still look at the oneplus devices and be able to say yeah it's still a good time even my dad was looking at it and was like because he was on the oneplus 789 and he really enjoyed them um and he was willing to keep going with them it's just that we went ahead and created a little apple ecosystem in my family just just to streamline things a little bit and um he still looks at this phone and goes it's still it's still appealing it's still appealing to me Mm-hmm. Well, and that was, I, I mentioned this, somebody else was, you know, if you are a OnePlus fan, um, no other device on the market is going to make you happy besides another OnePlus phone. And besides the slight software issues that we talked about, there's no, there's nothing wrong with the device. Agreed. It's not the best in any category. I would say the display on here is absolutely phenomenal. We didn't talk about the display at all with its one to 120 hertz. Uh, dynamic refresh rate that does i think a lot for the battery itself uh, and keeping the longevity going on there um but i i would say oneplus fans are going to be happy with the device they're not going to be ecstatic with it it feels like some of the passion is gone from the phone itself but also the fans of the brand as well um, they're not quite so, as vocal as they used to be, right? Like the, well, yeah. I mean, maybe some of the most vocal ones have moved on to other brands uh, and found something else to whine and complain about. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's. It, I would say overall, it is a good phone. If you are looking at a $900 smartphone, I would say also take in consideration the Pixel 6 Pro because I think you might actually be happier with that device. Or even the Pixel one. 6. Save a little bit extra money. Well, like Well, Pixel 6. And, you know, at that point, you're saving $300. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you, you'll be a lot happier <laughs> at that point. <laughs> um, but definitely when compared to the Galaxy S22 Plus, I would say the OnePlus 10 Pro is a win. Uh, you know, if, if that's his main direct competitor as far as like, you know, the devices that most people recognize, because let's be honest, Pixel 6 Pro, very few people still know about it at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. That'll pretty much do it um, as uh, as we're constantly trying to return to a consistent schedule with the show. I'm going to do my best to uh, keep things like very, very exacting, which is why this episode, aside from the check in, was all about the OnePlus 10 Pro. Uh, you can feel free to let us know across any of the content that will be coming out on Pocket Now or even on my channel. Uh, what do you think about the phone as well? Are you going to be picking one up or anything like that? Uh, but 
aside from that, Nick, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you. Well, you can find me personally on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Nick M. Gray, or else you can find my work over on Fandroid.com or YouTube.com slash Fandroid. All right. Uh, and with the rest of the links and places that you can find myself and Pocket Now at large, I will go ahead and go through all of those in the outro starting now. All of the links for Nick and Fandroid at large are found in the show notes. As far as I am concerned, you can find me on YouTube.com slash Joshua Vergara, and then you can head over to any social media platform to find me at JV Tech Tea, because I'm JV, I love tech, and I love to drink me some tea. From there, Pocket Now is found at PocketNow.com for all of the latest headlines. You can find Pocket Now on social media at PocketNow is the handle. And then finally, the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash PocketNow for video content that's coming out basically every single day. With all of that said, though, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode, hopefully in a week. Um, hopefully nothing will get in the way of uh, our next episode and we will see you then. So come hang out with us when the next episode comes out. <laughs>